Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new version of Puck Poolies. It's Matt Larkin with Stephen Ellis, as always, brought to you by ProLine Plus. And Stephen, we're still in the sort of silly season in a fantasy hockey context where we can kind of take our episodes any direction we want. This is going to be a special Ask Me Anything version of the show. But before we get into that, I wanted to just check in with you and ask you, are you are you enjoying these silly world championship games that you're watching at four in the morning? Well, you mean the fantastic games here today? I've, uh, you know, this tournament's been, you know, uh, I wouldn't say this is the best world championship I've ever seen, but it's been like just the, the, some of the upsets have been fantastic. And it's just like, we're looking at pretty much very close games for most games. So it's, it's been awesome. So uh, if you're not watching, you're making a mistake. It's been that good. I even will admit that the upsets have gotten onto my radar, even though I'm Mr. Anti World Championship. So touche. Okay, Stephen, we're going to launch right into our questions this time. Normally, we save them for the end, but this is the special listener choose the topic edition of Puck Poolies. So let's get it started and let's start the parade of listener questions. All right, this one's interesting from Ranton or Raven. It's a very serious, super hard hitting question. Best stick brand. Okay, so I went the personal route for this one, Ranton and Raven. Uh, what I used in my playing career, I never went for the composite stick i even was in the era when kids were trying to be cool they were going with the steel easton sticks or the aluminum easton sticks uh but i was pretty traditional i was bauer supreme and traditionally it was the eric lindros curve or the wendell clark curve was my go-to and i i sort of stuck with those sticks as long as i played don't play anymore too many head injuries but if i was still playing today i would be going with the bauer supreme assuming they still make them i i guess they still do I, I don't know the the one I used a, a CCM wood stick for most of my time playing hockey, and I switched to to Reebok near the end as a in a composite when I started when I was finishing up my my illustrious uh, house league career. But then I switched 
back to CCM and just actually kept using the same stick. I used it for like six years and it had a chip in the end of it and it definitely could have been used as a weapon, but that was kind of the fun of it. Uh, but I will give a shout out also to Christian hockey. Cause I did help out with the launch of that. That was a lot of fun doing that. That's right. Uh, uh, next question comes from Drake Ryan. I like this question. Devin Levi, Dustin Wolf, Askroff, and Wallstead are good young goalies. Who else should we know about? And I guess I can answer this question since I watch a lot of these young goalies. And I'll start off with Lucas Dostal from the Anaheim Ducks, a guy that uh, had some very good starts this year when he got called up to the NHL, faced a lot of shots in San Diego, and kind of just emerged as someone who could potentially go out there and, you know, maybe be a number one goalie or yeah, a number one goalie for the Anaheim Ducks. And they need that. So I do like what they've got there. Another is uh, Sebastian Kosa, a goalie at the Detroit Red Wings, spent most of the year in the ECHL, had some good opportunities in the AHL, a goalie with huge size, ton of potential, and he's still trying to learn how to use that size to his advantage in the pro game. And I think, you know, there's a, a really good potential there, especially by the time he's ready, that's when the Red Wings should be able to contend and by then you know that's what you're looking for there and another one is one that i think a lot of people are underrating right now especially buffalo sabers fans sorry guys and that's joel hofer from the st louis blues and the reason i say that was because people were shocked he's gotten more starts than devin levi at the world juniors but you know just the way that or the world championship but with hofer it's just you know he faced so many shots the last two years he's got a lot of pro experience already looks like he could even be the number one next year um for the St. Louis Blues. So those are the guys I'm looking at. Obviously, you look at Devin Levi, what he's been able to do. Uh, Dustin Wolf, just unbelievable in the AHL once again. Askarov, his Milwaukee Admirals have a shot to go for the Calder, uh, uh, Calder Cup this year. And Jesper Wallstead, who was one of Sweden's goalies of the World Championship and everything he did at Iowa. You know, this is a very good time for goalies. And you look at the kind of the last couple of years with, with Sturkin and, and Sorokin and all those guys coming through the system, Ottinger, uh, some really good goalies already coming in. Now you're seeing this next range and, you know, goalies are hard to predict. You never know what to expect, but right now there's just so many fun to watch. Yeah, it's true. It feels like more so than it has been in a while. It's sort of entering an era where there are some truly exciting goaltending prospects. I think all the ones you listed are absolutely absolutely legit. I think the Joel Hofer example is pretty fun because that is the sleeper, especially just with the inconsistency of, of Jordan Bennington. I think the job is there for the taking. I mean, Vili Husso already had sort of taken it before he got traded to Detroit. Uh, I wanted to offer another one that's a bit of a deeper sleeper just because he's so blocked at the moment on his team depth chart, and that's Brandon Bussey in the Boston Bruins system. He has been one of the best goalies in the American Hockey League. Uh, for the better part of the last two years, especially this year, he actually had a full sample size, 32 games played, 924 save percentage. If it weren't for Dustin Wolf just dominating the AHL, I think the Bussy would be getting more attention. Right now, of course, we know he's blocked by Linus Elmark and Jeremy Swayman at the NHL level. But going into this offseason, the Bruins, especially if they lose David Krejci, maybe Patrice Bergeron to retirement, they're going to have to make some moves to fortify their forward group. And that might include having to trade one of their goaltenders. And when you have someone as good as Bussy in your system, you can afford to trade, for example, a Jeremy Swayman. I don't know if you're going to trade Linus Elmark right after he probably wins the Vezina Trophy, uh, especially because, yes, he had a trou trouble in the playoffs, but it was more, as we found out later, because of an injury. So I think he's still safe, but it would make a lot of sense to trade Jeremy Swayman when you have your other Jeremy Swayman waiting in the wings in Bussy. So if Bussy gets to the NHL level next year, depending on what Boston does this offseason, he's a name to watch because he could have some really nice rate stats, even if he's not playing a starter's workload. But we know we've, the, the blueprint has been there for 
the better part of a decade now with this entire generation of Boston Bruins. Their goalies always, always, always seem to have really strong rate stats. So don't forget about Brandon Bussey, especially if you're in a league that allows you to stash minor league players. I'm a big fan of his, you know, in a perfect world, he probably wasn't going to be starting as many games as he ended up doing, but he was an all-star for a reason. He was a guy that I think is going to just, you know, he should be in the NHL next year. And, you know, when you're looking at like, are the Bruins going to make a goalie move? What if Bussy's the guy that gets moved? What if he's the one that's traded? I don't think so, but it's like you, you look at it and Swayman was the guy that you hoped to be your number one. You signed Allmark for a few years knowing he would likely be the number one. So the fact that they kind of got this guy for free out of college is a huge thing for them. So uh, Boston's got a very good spot to be in, I guess, with so many goalies, uh, and a lot of teams could use guys like that. So be interesting to see what they do with that this summer. Uh, this is a Penguins fan based off the name being 87 pens 58. And it's what's your expectation for Sidney Crosby the next few years? Are we expecting a steep decline? I think he still has a lot of good hockey left. Yeah, I think he does too. And it's funny, a few years ago, we might have been more likely to predict a, a steep decline. But I think just seeing the way offense has changed in the game and just the way Crosby has stayed so steady the last few seasons, I'm actually more optimistic now. He played every game this season. Sidney Crosby, who often has his load managed a little bit, has had some, of course, lots of concussion scares in the past, usually misses a few games a year, played 82 games this year, 93 points. But more importantly, think about what Alex Ovechkin, his forever counterpart, is doing. Ovechkin's two years older than Sidney Crosby. Mm. Think about what Joel Pavelski is doing right now in the playoffs for the Dallas Stars. He's three years older than Sidney Crosby. So when you factor in that there are other players who are significantly older, still doing great things, and then you mix in the fact that Sidney Crosby is an all-time great player, arguably a top five player of all time. And yes, I think we still have... Uh, I don't know, three, four years of well above average hockey from Sidney Crosby and him still being, and he's not a first round pick in fantasy anymore, but I think he's still a top 20-ish asset. And I think he can stay at that level for a few more seasons. Yeah, look, the thing about, with, with, with Crosby here, it's like, this is a guy that, you know, there was some concern that maybe his career was going to be over you know, like almost a decade ago of all the injuries he was having and all the concussions, but he's been able to stay healthy for the most part enough to play most of each season. He played 82 games this year for the first time since uh, 2018. And, you know, he almost hit a hundred points this year for a team that missed the playoffs. It's like, yes, I think he's just so underrated. And part of that is, you know, for as good as he was, and obviously the competition for Vetchkin, here comes Connor McDavid and he steals all the spotlight, but Crosby's still one heck of a player to be putting up these points like this. So I expect, yeah, he's going to be doing it for a couple of years. And I just see here, Lucas Raymond is now missing a few extra teeth. I got the Swedish game going on and we started this podcast. It was three, one, it is three, three right now. The final Jeez. minutes. So interesting stuff going on there. Next question comes from Jacob Sawyer. With the Devils on the upswing, what are your expectations for Dawson Mercer next season? Yeah, so I think you're right, Jacob, to say the Devils are on the upswing. I think they have an extremely bright future. They made some great progress this season. And yes, there's some parts of their roster that are in flux with Damon Severson and, and Timo Meyer, RFA, same with Jesper Bratt. But either way, we know whatever they're going to look like next year, it's going to be good. Plus, you have Luke Hughes coming up, Simon Nimich, so they're looking great. Dawson Mercer, of course, a big part of that future. So I definitely don't think he's peaked. He had 27 goals this year. Shooting percentage went up, but it wasn't, it wasn't like it jumped to a crazy level above 20%. Like it seems like a sustainable number. So I think that really was Dawson Mercer. And what's interesting, he only played 16 and a half minutes a game. So we could see that ice time go up. Uh, the only thing with Dawson Mercer is you can make a case that he's from a fantasy perspective, 
a little bit too versatile for his own good because he can play all around that top nine. It's not like he has this big shot that makes him a must play guy on the first line in the top power play unit. You can move him to center. You can move him to the wing. He's defensively responsible enough that you can randomly play him on the third line. So that does hold Mercer back because it can affect who his line mates are. Uh, I still think he's going to keep improving, but I'm going to say fair. I'm going to stay fairly conservative, and I'm going to guess maybe a 35 goal season, 70 points might be the ceiling next year. So market improvement, but not necessarily an elite fantasy asset. See, I was you know, that's that's more fair than I was going to go. I was thinking more like uh, like 65 points, again, just a nice little increase from his 56 he had this year. But you know, the good thing with him is his rise through the ranks is coinciding with New Jersey's rise up the standings and you see him just continue to get a big role of the team. And last year as a rookie, he looked great. So, you know, someone that uh, a lot of people I think underrated, I definitely underrated him heading into the NHL draft, but you know, it's cool to see also a guy from Newfoundland doing as well as he is. You don't see that every, every day, but uh, you know, Alex Newhook's doing what he's doing in Colorado and Dawson Mercer's doing what he's uh, doing with the devils. So I like him. I think, you know, he's a great, pro- a great young guy uh, on a system. That's got a few of those guys. We know Alex Holtz will eventually come up and, and be this full-time impactful player. At least we hope he will. And then you also doesn't hurt that next year you're likely going to have Simon Nemich and Luke Hughes as like, distributors from the point, bringing some extra offense for that blue line and uh, making that a bit more fun. So I like where the Devils are going. I hope they figure out who that number one goalie is, but the Devils have a very good future going forward. This next question comes from Mac Daddy, and it says, Ryan Nugent Hopkins played at an insane level this year. Yes, he did. Do you foresee him continuing that after scoring on a career-high shooting percentage? And, you know, that's interesting because he did. I think it was like 18 point something percent. And, you know, when you see guys go from like a career average of like 7% to that big of a number, you think, okay, that's not sustainable. But, you know, we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers and some quality players. He gets to play with that's right um and mac daddy it's funny mac daddy i'm addressing mac daddy as if that is mac daddy's real name uh i wouldn't worry too much about the shooting percentages you have to put the entire season and his overall stat line into context so yes he scores an 18 percent of his shots which is a big jump from his career number which is about 12 percent but he also beat his career high in assists by 26 it's not like ryan nugent hobson's Hopkins scored 60 goals. He was not buoyed by his goal total this season. If you just took his shot total and put his shooting percentage at his career level, you're going to lose a few goals, but you're still going to have by far the greatest season of his career. And the main thing with the Nuge, it's the power play, the historically amazing Edmonton Oilers power play. That is where he made his hay. And that's not changing. The Oilers had the best power play in NHL history this season. They still have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl at their absolute peaks. You have Evan Bouchard now established as the quarterback on the blue line as well. And the Nuge is a fixture on that top unit as well. So to me, I think he can stay at something close to this level because he's not really depending on the goals for his fantasy value. Maybe the shooting percentage propped him up by five points, 10 points, but I think he's still going to be a 90 point player next year. So he's still going to be an extremely valuable fantasy asset. The party is not over in Edmonton in terms of just putting up monster numbers and lighting it up on the power play. That's going to be sustainable or at least close to sustainable going into next season. So I would not worry too much about Nuge, even if his shooting percentage comes down. All right. And Carter Mazar just got the puck to Dylan Sandberg for the goal. So the United States won and they get the top group in Group Bay. But if Nugent Hopkins, it's just kind of fun just seeing him have his like career season this long into his career. And it's like, you know, 
what's how much farther can he go? I think, yeah, we're this guy might be able to get a couple more 90, 80 something point seasons. And I think even an 80 point season next year is still a success. And yeah, you're hoping the rest of the team can kind of uh, step up. But, you know, like what's McDavid going to do next year? Is he going to do 160, 170? Like it's just like you never know with, with him. And that might not even matter what what RNH could do. But the fact that he was as good as he was this year, again, this late in his career, not it's like he's not old, but for him to have a breakout at like pretty much over a decade after he, he made his NHL debut is awesome to see. So uh, we'll see what happens next. Uh, Nick Roberts asked, has Sergei Bobrovsky given you more hope for next season? And I put a story up on daily face off today, look, comparing him to other goalies at the, uh, the conference level or conference final level. And uh, very few goalies have ever been able to produce like he is like, we're talking like near historic numbers, the way he's been playing against Carolina. The time we've recording this, this is after his game three win a shutout and, you know, looking at the end of that regular season, he lost the starting gig. He was not playing well. He was playing like the Bobrovsky. We know he can play like, which was typically, or not typically, but it, it very poor. Now he's playing like the Bobrovsky of Vesna caliber that we've seen in the past with Columbus and, and things like that. And, you know, I don't know if I can, if I'm totally convinced he could do it again at 34 years old, but the way he's playing right now, it's like, whoa, okay. He's turning some heads again. Yeah, and, and I, I think with this incredible run he's had, I think the way I put it is it is helping his fantasy value for next year, but maybe not in the way that you might think, Nick. So if you look at the performance itself, we know that Sergei Bobrovsky, his career pattern is to have bad years and he's mentally tough. He bounces back. He makes changes to his training regimen. I remember back in the day, Yarmo Kekalainen telling me that Bobrovsky was the first in, last out guy at the gym. Usually you don't think of a goalie being that guy. So he works really hard. Every time he comes back, it never surprises me because he has that reputation as someone who's never satisfied. But the thing is, if you look at his career pattern, you've also got this crazy yo-yo effect. And the only thing consistent about Sergei Bobrovsky in his career is inconsistency. So I wouldn't necessarily be expecting him to be great again next year just because he's having a great playoffs. That said, what this playoffs is doing for him is solidifying his role. The Panthers now have to trust him as their starter going to next season. No matter what happens now for the rest of this playoffs, Bobrovsky has been so good. He's having the best run by any goaltender in the playoffs they've had since John Van Beesbrook in 95-96. And that means he's your guy to start next season. He's earned that. We know, of course, Spencer Knight is in the player assistance program. His future is very much in doubt. We don't know when we're going to see him again. Maybe he'll be back, even if he is back for the start of next season. It's Bobrovsky's net for now. He's earned that right. And just from a sample size, in terms of volume stats for hockey next year, fantasy hockey, that's great news if you're someone who wants to draft Bobrovsky. The only problem is with this playoff performance is going to come an elevated price tag the recency bias and i'm going to talk about that later on this show when we get to the fantasy tip of the week section but that is going to be a problem bobrovsky is going to cost more in drafts next year yeah no i agree with that one and with florida you know we know we we've seen a ton of goalies in the last couple of years go through whether it be spencer knight whether it be alex line also play well and you know maybe next year if knight's back he ends up you know, fully refreshed, ready to go, and he plays great, and Bobrovsky goes back to being normal. So we don't know. A lot of question marks, but, you know, with Bobrovsky, the highs are very high. And you're looking right now, he's playing with a ton of confidence. The, you know, a lot of things have been made about, like, his endurance at the end of the games. Can he handle the, the heavy workloads? Well, 
I don't know, he went to 63 overtimes in game one against Carolina and, and was the best goalie in that game for sure. So with Bobrovsky, yeah, don't, like you said, yeah, his most consistent aspect is his inconsistency, but those highs are very high. And, you know, maybe he starts off strong next year. Maybe he craps the bed. We don't know. Right now, I'm just, I'm, I'm loving what we're seeing from him. It's a lot of fun. The next question comes from Alan Simonson. And I guess what's, this one's for me. And it's, who is an NHL draft prospect you think has some untapped long-term potential? And this is one that I asked a couple scouts about, and it's been a tough one. And I'll, I'll write a story about it eventually. But uh, Oscar Fisker Mulgaard on Denmark is a guy that like the NHL, like central scouting didn't even rank at the beginning of the year. And a lot of places had nothing on him. Definitely not a first. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ground caliber player, like nobody knew much. He was playing in the, the Swedish men's league, this Danish player. And, you know, the World Championship, he hasn't had a great term. He's been very quiet, but Denmark was eliminated. They were not really a huge threat. They were in it till the end. But I think that was more of Germany having a bad start than Denmark being good. Um, but with Molgard, you know, the one thing that really kind of tipped me off there was seeing elite prospects rank him as a potential of top 15, top 20 prospect. At that point, I did not know much about him. And then going and watching a lot of clips and talking to scouts and, you know, a lot of scouts were like, he's really come up the radar where he was one of the highest scoring players among um, draft eligible prospects in Sweden. And, and Leo Carlson, a top prospect for this year's draft is kind of the gold standard of that. But with Molgard, you know, the, just the, the way he works for the puck, the way he can play multiple forward positions, the way he could shoot, he could skate. He, there's so many raw skills there that he really started to show this year. And it's tough because, you know, in Sweden pro hockey, it's tough for a young prospect to be getting a lot of ice time, especially when, you know, they're not there to develop. They're there to win. Their job is to win games. So if, if you're a young prospect, they're not going to necessarily play you if they think you're going to be going to the NHL in the next couple of years. And we've seen that with guys like Lucas Raymond and Alex Holtz, for example. It happens. 
But with Molgard, you know, seven points this year and how many games he played, I think is still something you can't ignore. That's still quite a, a bit for, you know, a guy that age. He's still one of the top scoring uh, U20 players. So I think there's a lot of potential there for Fisker Molgard to be someone with a lot of potential. And, and in, I did a poll of some scouts at the U18s, like, which is the guy that, you know, fringe number one, maybe second round pick, depending on who you talk to, that could really rise up and make scouts look stupid. It was Fisker Molgard as someone who could be uh, someone really interesting to watch. So uh, again, not much we could have seen out of him in the world championship, didn't play a lot. Some games didn't play for entire periods, but I think that, you know, that's someone who I'm looking at as a guy to, to watch. I don't know if you've even heard of him, Matt, but he's someone that I think a lot of people are going to hear about as uh, wow, this was a total steal late in the first round uh, in a few, few years from now. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of him thanks to you, and that's why I, I wanted to defer to you for, for this question. I think the intrigue's there, and it's exciting for for uh, the nation of Denmark. I feel like they're due for an injection of some new exciting players as well, right? Because he is Dane. You said he's a Dane, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, since we had, you know, we had Nikolai Ehlers, Oliver Bjorkstrand, there was that generation of Danes coming in that was exciting. So I think that would be pretty interesting for for the sport internationally. The the guy that I was looking at, I don't think he's a deep sleeper, but in terms of just the boom bust it kind of reminds me of brad lambert last year and it's andrew crystal right because if you look at the rankings everyone puts him so differently right so daily face off we have him you have him number 16 steven i've seen him ranked as high as eight i've seen him ranked as low as 35th he's just all over the map so i've seen him ranked as high as sixth actually uh, if you're looking at the, at the aggregated rankings um at elite prospects so but his goal scoring potential is really intriguing yet i think it's 39 goals and 50 something games with Kelowna this year so to me that's that's exciting if we're, again we're talking in a fantasy hockey context someone who might get overlooked depending on where he goes in the draft the range of outcomes is going to be really wide depending on who likes him or doesn't like him but the ceiling is still interesting there to me yeah i i had him uh actually pretty decently early on in my first in my first couple rankings i had him as a top 10 guy i had him actually i think seventh one time and for me you know the skills there the everything's there watching him at the u18s and talking to some scouts there i kind of was a bit more alerted to some of the more concerning things which is not a great skater uh not a great back checker and can float around a lot and there were a lot of games that tournament where he was out there just kind of skating watching and not being engaged and you know you can't do that at the nhl level in the whl you got some good line mates yeah a little bit easier but when you're going out there and you're they don't always have uh you know, you're, you're having to work much harder. You're playing against better competition. That's tough. So for him, there's the concerns there from a skill level perspective. I don't think there's many guys that are better than him. Uh, watching him at the U18, just practicing lacrosse goals. And he, he actually made a couple attempts on them too. Uh, didn't pull them off. He decided to back out at the last second. But, you know, this guy's got so much talent. It's just, can he put everything together? In a lot of cases, you know, a offensive guy, a skilled guy like that getting asked to play more defensive does take away from his offensive abilities. He might not be willing to rush as much. He might be willing trying to stay back to overcompensate. And there's that concern. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of the skills there that NHL coaches can can get over with or get, get through. But, you know, I think there are some scouts that are looking at it and say, you know, we saw talent like this out of guys like Sonny Milano and Robbie Shrimp and guys who have this pure talent could put up points, but everything else isn't there. Uh, so we'll see if he can overcome that. I think he can. And I do think that he's one of those guys that's going to make a lot of noise um, 
in the next little bit. Uh, that's it for the questions. So I guess we can go into the tip of the week, which you have written down as remember that playoff performance doesn't always translate into fantasy relevance the next year. So are you saying Nick Cousins is not a first round pick next year? <laughs> not quite. Yeah, I think he maybe second round. Uh, but, you know, every year there's someone whose playoff run is kind of romanticized. And sometimes it's a superstar who's doing great things. You know, Matthew Kachuk right now, Kale McCarr wins the consummate. But there's also support guys who have fantastic surprise runs during the playoffs and they get hyped up. And sometimes that hype creates this recency bias that carries into the summer and into the next season. So I referenced Sergei Bobrovsky already, but there are many examples historically over time. Fernando Pisani had that amazing run with the, the Oilers in 2006. It was Brian Bickle had nine goals in the 2012-13 playoffs with the Chicago Blackhawks. He had 11 goals the entire next season, right? So last year, Nick Paul was the talk of the town for the Tampa Bay Lightning. This year, 17 goals, perfectly fine season, but it doesn't always translate to fantasy value, right? Because we see, people talk about it, there's a different type of player that succeeds in the playoffs versus the regular season. Regular season, there's more east-west play, there are more penalties called in general, and there are certain types of players that thrive. And some of these guys that are these warrior types that excel in the trench warfare, the way things are set up in the regular season, they might just be getting called for some of the things they do in the playoffs, right? So their game doesn't necessarily translate back just because they had a big playoff. So you have to watch out for that. So especially when it comes to whatever team wins the Stanley Cup, so whether it's going to be Florida or Carolina comes back, Dallas, Vegas, think about some of the heroes for those teams. And when you're drafting next year, be a little bit wary because some of those players could be overdrafted. There is one exception. So if a player has a great playoff and he parlays it as a free agent into a big role on a new team. So let's say you're a great third liner and you sign with a new team on the strength of your playoffs and now you're a second liner or first liner, then yes, that isn't a situation where the playoffs actually does increase the player's fantasy value, but that tends to be the exception, not the norm. So just be careful with the playoff hype when you're drafting next year. Yeah, it's kind of like Danny Breer should have been like the biggest legend of all time in the NHL, but it's just like some guys just come alive in the playoffs. Some people are just like, you know what, the mentality, it just everything ramps up. You know, you're giving it all on the line and things change, but like, are, are we going to expect rupee hints to go out and get like 50 goals next year? Probably not, but you know, it's just, you know, it's fun to see when these guys kind of like, this is what people are playing for. And the storylines of seeing these guys like Sergey Bobrovsky, for example, go out there and just play out of their mind is a lot of fun. So That's yeah, right. I agree though. That's right. Yeah. So we'll see what happens next year, but there's going to be a couple of those, those minds to watch out for in your draft. So just be careful. Okay, Stephen, it's time for our best bets segment presented by ProLine Plus. And I feel like I'm a broken record. I keep going back to these futures bets. But hey, hey, there's there, there aren't many options to bet on right now. So that's one reason. <laughs> but I'm just looking for where there's interesting value. So I want to single out the Dallas Stars again. I just keep hammering them. But the reasoning is different every time, okay? So I think what these playoffs have really shown us is that randomness is everywhere. You look at the, just the teams that are in this Final Four. You have the Florida Panthers one win away, and they are about to sweep Carolina. They went up 3-0 on the Leafs. They have this crazy streak. They won nine out of their last 11 games. So you see all this randomness, right? It's been a very unpredictable playoff. I think that can still apply within the confines of a series as well. People forget, of course, the Florida Panthers were on the verge of elimination. They were down 3-1 to the Boston Bruins in overtime. So take that logic in mind, keep it in mind, and throw some bets down on some teams that are trailing. Maybe at this point, 
Carolina down 0-3. I think that's probably a fool's bet because only four teams ever have done it. But the Dallas Stars, at the time of recording this podcast, are down 0-2. They have not played a home game yet in this series. Jake Ottinger in net has gotten better as series go. So the last three games against Minnesota in round one, 965 save percentage. He had a great game five and a great game seven against the Seattle Kraken. So we're going to see the best version of Jake Ottinger as this series progresses against Vegas. And until Dallas loses a home game, I think they're still alive. So plus 400, those are the odds at ProLine. The last I checked, throw it down if you want to get that underdog return on the Dallas Stars. They're not out of this series. These playoffs have shown us to expect the unexpected. What do you think? Am I crazy, Steven? Nope. I like this one a lot. And like, you know, why not at this point? This is how you make your money. A 3-0. Uh, when you're looking at uh, with, with Florida, you know, probably not going to pay out a lot. But if Carolina reverses it, you know, very again, I we know that the odds of it happening is super low, but you never know. I also want to give myself a shout out. I said Switzerland was the uh, the underdog team to pick at the time of recording this. They're six and zero. They won their group like four days early and have a chance to if they go perfect. If they have a ten and zero record in regulation, they will win ten million Swiss francs, which is a Ooh. pretty big deal um, for the WHF. So, gotta say that one worked out so far. As a, uh, that was my underdog pick. I said that uh, a couple episodes ago. Very, very interesting. Okay, so you've heard it from Stephen, Mr. International, the expert. Uh, a word from our sponsor before we switch to the next segment. ProLine Plus is not just another sportsbook being the only sportsbook that gives 100% of profits back to Ontario. ProLine is your local trusted sportsbook for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app with your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips. Download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. Okay, Stephen, now it's time to talk prospects. So we haven't had a segment for the last couple episodes where we single out a certain name. I want to give you that privilege back. Let's talk prospects. Who's someone you have your eye on right now? Well, I'm going to go for Philadelphia Flyers prospect, and we've done that before with Tyson Forrester, but I'm going with Cutter Gauthier, who right now is, I think, seventh or eighth in scoring at the World Championship. And, you know, he had a hat trick in the last game. You know, once against France, wasn't the, the hardest team, but, you know, he was the one who did it, so we can't take that away from him. And the way he's just been playing in every game, you know, it, it's just like he and TJ Tynan, you know, an LA Kings, you know, AHLer, just the chemistry between those two guys has been unbelievable in particular. And with Goche, he's doing a lot. He's, he's his shot, perfect. Uh, he's driving the play, he's setting guys up, he's doing a lot of things around the net. Like he's having as close to a perfect tournament as you'd expect from a college age player at this tournament. And we do expect big things from him. Every time he plays in the U.S. jersey, we saw it at the World Juniors. Uh, we saw it, obviously, at the uh, with the U.S. national development team. This guy seems to arise to the occasion when he represents his country. And the way he's playing right now, you know, we expect that, it, you know, when he makes the Flyers, that's going to be just one heck of a prospect. And there's going to be some really good players he's going to play with. He'll be on the same team as guys like Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, and, and um, uh, Gabe Pro next year. So, you know, there'll be some talent. Uh, maybe they all play together on the power play. But Goche, it's just, you know... They picked him last year, the Flyers. I think that he's going to be a franchise changer for them. You know, maybe he's a guy that's going out there getting 75 points a year. I mean, he's just this valuable goal scorer that could play with anybody and play any role. You like that from a guy like that. And he's another guy that, you know, grew up in Arizona. So, you know, the the trend keeps going there as, you know, all the stuff about the Coyotes going on in the last little bit in hockey in Arizona. Here's another prospect that grew up there and, and is making a big impact. So, Cutter Goche, Philadelphia Flyers, you guys got a good one there. 
Yeah, it's funny. I remember interviewing Cutter at the draft last year, and I came away really impressed with him. He just had a really mature head on his shoulders. Kind of reminded me of the feeling I got when I spoke to Pierre-Luc Dubois the day before he was drafted. I remember thinking that whoever got him was going to be happy, and I had the same feeling about Cutter Goche. Goal-scoring ability, but it seems to be kind of good at everything, and I think he's going to be a good defensive forward in the NHL as well. So I think he's going to be a very complete player from what I understand. Okay, Stephen, we're going to finish off the episode with the starting lineup. It is my turn to challenge you, and I'm going to do you solid because you're enjoying your cute little World Championship tournament. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to set your starting lineup by naming your favorite international hockey jerseys. So I want to. I'm going to just say these will be just top division jerseys because you know. Unfortunately, like as much as I would love to say, like Iran or like Singapore, they don't really play enough to really be, you know, their jerseys change a lot actually when they do play. So I'll just go with the top division teams and I will start with Austria and their red jersey. You're going to notice a couple trends here Austria, their red, black, and white jersey. I just think the colors work so well, uh, you know, especially with so many red and, and white jerseys in the tournament to begin with and their logo so cool if they're their big bird and their awesome crest it's just great uh the next one again sticking with red norway i think norway's red jerseys look beautiful they went out there and beat canada in a surprising win uh which again no one saw coming and their red jerseys looked awesome red and blue always looks good you see the montreal canadians there's uh, you know some some resemblance there but i just love the way those jerseys look so norway's got great ones slovenia you know in a world where, again, there's a lot of red and white jerseys, uh, you know, they could do that. They have red and white in their uh, in their uniforms, but they actually use green, which is kind of strange. Green's not one of their main colors, so it's green and blue is their main jersey. I think it looks great. You know, the colors don't make any sense for their lo- their flag, but at least they're taking some liberties to look cool and stand out. The issue was their jerseys were way too close to Slovakia. Their flags are too close together, and their names are too close together. So it was nice that they went out there and did something a little different. Um, but uh, Slovenia, it's a team that has had some rough uh, goes in the last couple of years. Kopitar has not been involved, and they were they are going back to Division 1A next year. I don't think we'll ever see Kopitar play at the top division world championship again. Maybe the Olympic qualifiers. We'll see. Uh, from there, I'm going to go with Sweden's blue jersey. I know everyone likes their yellow jersey, and I love yellow jerseys all the time. But their blue one, I think, just works so well. And I think part of that is just the yellow. Like it, It's a bit more like accent if that makes any sense with the stripes the 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 trade chronar and the numbers and name and everything being the gold i think looks fantastic um but the way the the blue stands out i think is a really nice blue uh so you know you can't go wrong with either or i just think you know it's always a treat when we see that blue one because if they had their way they would never wear it they also do have a white version of their Swedish jersey that they've actually prototyped before. I know I've seen those on eBay for thousands of dollars, though they've never really worn it in any major international competition. And I never expect that they will, but it was cool to see that. The next one is Hungary, and that's a, another red jersey, but red and green looks very Christmassy. But the first time seeing them in person at the Women's World Championship, I just fell in love with those uniforms. I just think they look so cool. Their logo is a bit of a, a bit busy, but I think, you know, there's just so much there that you can look at there and the colors just work. And I would love to have one. Uh, that's the thing. I've got at least one jersey from pretty much all these teams here, except for Hungary. And then Team Canada, I don't know if you're going to expect which one I'm going to say. It's their black jersey. I just think perfect jersey. I know people don't love uh, the black being it, but, you know, I, I think that you, otherwise, like, there's black in the logo. I don't know if you noticed. And if people, you say, oh, they take it out of the logo, 
there, there's a thing called color contrast. You do need it to stand out. Uh, this is a Canada red and black one that uh, was used um, in a in an exhibition game that was held in Toronto. Uh, I think the colors just work. And, you know, I can also tell you from talking to some people at Hockey Canada, it's their most popular seller. So people seem to like the red and black jersey. It's, you know, it's it looks great. They put use it for all the, like, main championships. They use it in gold medal games and things like that. So they find it very important. So I love that jersey. I will always love that jersey. And I hope they continue wearing that color combination for a long time. Screw the haters. Canada, black jerseys always rule. Except the Olympic jerseys, those ones suck. Okay, well, I uh, I could launch into a tirade about how I hate when countries use color. You're just wrong on all flag. international hockey opinions. You know, Don't worry, just, everyone knows that already. Everyone who's listening to it know you're wrong. It's because I'm I'm craving the real best on best, right? I have this bitterness toward international hockey until we get the best on best back. That's probably where it comes from, right? If we're going to psychoanalyze me right now, that's probably why there's a dark cloud over me when it comes to international hockey. Who knows? Hey, this tournament matters. This tournament matters right now to find out who's potentially in the Olympics. So there's a it's all by seeding, you know, like there's teams that getting knocked out might not have an automatic bid because of Italy being in there too. So, you know, I'd say like it, it's important to watch. You heard it here from Steven. This tournament could decide who will be in the next Olympics, which also will not have best on best. It will be another meaningless tournament. I will end the podcast with the last word on that one. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Steven. Thank you to ProLine Plus, our sponsor. We'll be back with more off-season analysis from a fantasy perspective next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.